0: My name is Umar Sadiq, I am a professional boxer, a model and a dancer. I often get asked how I mix modeling with boxing. I smile and I think, if only you knew how I train. Because it's fast, it's explosive, it's dynamic, it's sharp. Most importantly, it's smart. All towards the end goal of becoming the best super middleweight in the entire world. Hey guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. Um, As you heard from the intro, probably first thing to touch on is the situation that affected Umar Sadiq. So today on Saturday, we have Frank Warren hosting a show at York Hall, which is as normal with Frank Warren. It's a chance for him to showcase some of his younger, less experienced, stabler fighters. Some names we all know and other names that we will know in a few years, and it will be headlined by... Sonny Edwards taking on Guaneros, I think it's Hugo Guaneros, and also supported by Zach Chetty versus Cody Davis, which is a fight you shouldn't sleep on, and is another example of where British boxing needs to go. But the reason I highlight Uma is it's just a reminder to fans about what can happen in a fight week. So I spoke to Uma last week, and we were talking about him fighting Luke Blackledge. Great fight for him for any number of reasons. It's a good name to have on your record, especially if you've had under 10 fights on your CV. You know, it's a recognised name. He has a a lineage in terms of guys he's fought, so it's a good benchmark fight. And it takes Uma to a level where you start knocking on the door for English and Commonwealth titles. So everything's hunky-dory at this point. And then in the week, you start to hear things like, Blackledge might pull out. He's feeling a little bit ill. He's got a bit of a cold. And so... When you're Uma, you're like, well, what the hell's going on here? Because you've invested. Forget the, the physical load you invest as a fighter. It's that emotional load you invest where you're like, okay, got my career back on track. It's been a tough year. And hopefully we can get Uma on the podcast and we can have a full chat because I think that year for him and the massive changes he went through will serve as an illustration for fans to understand, actually, do you know what? Like After that first defeat, a lot of things can change. Some for the better, some for the worse. But we'll get him on board, and he can share his side of the story. But in essence, what you have here is a guy in Luke Blackledge, who for whatever reason doesn't want this fight. Because boxers box went ill all the time. One thing I've always given Anthony Joshua credit for is he doesn't miss appointments. He gets injured. He gets ill. He's tired. He's run down. He does his sponsor engagements. He does his community engagements. You know, he works with the Lung GB lads. He 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 does all the things. He's in the community. He fights. He fights injured. He fights after allegedly getting robbed for his two hundred grand watch. He he still shows up, and that shows a man who respects the sport. That shows a man who understands what his duty is as an entertainer to the fans. What Luke Blackledge did sort of sits at the opposite end of that. You know, if you're really that ill, you pull out a week, two weeks before. You don't suddenly pull out in the week. And maybe it's the, I'm not getting enough money for handing my name over. At least have those discussions with the right people. But what it does is, it means, you know, Uma gets a stepping opponent. And you're not prepared for him. You're not as enthused as you are. You, you've had to bring yourself down and back up again. And then, based on that, you've got to now pull out a performance that says I'm now ready to challenge some of the one six eight pound guys. And are you like, well, you know, you needed the blackledge fight; that was your currency to to get you back in those discussions. And through no fault of your own, you've been denied that opportunity. So then, what do you do? You know, what should the board do at this point? I genuinely believe that three pullouts in in like a five year window. If you pull out three times, especially in fight week, if you pull out three times in fight week in a five-year window, you shouldn't be allowed to box for three years. Because you have to look at it in terms of what's the impact on the whole ecosystem. So Umar's got to do this fight because he sold tickets. Now he's got to find another Blackledge. So what do you do now? Do you find a Jermaine smile? Do you find you know the loser of Lennox Clark versus Lerone Richards? You've got to find yourself another guy at that level that's going to give you the step up. And so that's a, not a backwards step, but he's having to tread water for now until that opportunity comes. And that's unfair on him. Why should his career be derailed? Because someone's not dedicated to the sport enough to show up and honour their commitments. And it's, it's what takes the currency and the credibility out of boxing. Because in football, you don't get that. You know, today Liverpool will play Newcastle. And that will happen. It doesn't matter how Newcastle feel. doesn't matter what kind of form they're in, they're going to play. And that's where we need to get to in boxing, where we know that on Saturday we're going to see a fight. But that's, you know, I, I wish you all the best. I will probably be down there to see him tonight. And, you know, I'm hoping he delivers a performance and then it's onwards and upwards from here. But on a side note, I think it's a really good Frank Warren card. A lot of people criticize me for always talking about Hearn and his shows. I just think when you've got Zach Chelley versus Cody Davis, that's a good fight. You've got Sonny Edwards on there, who I think is super talented. I think the Edwards brothers are super skillful, but I think what I like about Sonny is Sonny's got this innate understanding that he has to entertain the fans. He's one of the few guys who's good at choosing the right moments to engage and interact with the fans, but he also puts those performances on in the ring. But also with, with Andrew Selby winning in Dubai. I think it's probably time to start seeing these fights happen, because, you know, Andrew's had a hard Andrew had a hard time in Mexico with the guy that gave Charlie Edwards hell over here. So, you're looking at Andrew Selby, this triangle between Charlie Edwards, Sonny Edwards, and Andrew Selby. You could throw Jay Harris in there as well, but you're almost saying, we need to see these guys just get it on. Um, I don't think it should be an issue getting Selby to it move he's not contracted to either of the two big broadcasters, but the question is, do you really want that risk? You know Andrew Selby can still fight. I know he's had personal issues, and it's fantastic. In fact, it's brilliant that he's overcome those to come back and start winning. But he deserves, this is what I mean about boxing. You know people are in this to make a living. People are in this to build a legacy, and we're going to talk about this in the context of the lightweights in a few minutes, but people acting as roadblocks to these legacy fights, these career fights, these paydays that help you know people sustain their families. Boxing fans should be more vocal in their opposition to this because it denies you the fights that you want to pay your money for. It denies you the chance to get behind a lot of the the people you should be getting behind because promoters, managers, broadcasters all like to get in the way and you know it's almost like their opinion and their preferences matter over and above what the fighter wants but also from a from in terms of a york call card you know i know there was one on last week which you know, I don't give two monkeys about it wasn't wasn't relevant to anything that interests me so be you know this is almost like a, a serious york call card and what i mean by that is it's like a york call card of the old days where york call was just seen as a it's a, it's a stepping stone venue look here you young guys are you get a chance to be the center of attention you got fans shouting and screaming at you it's an intense environment, and you get a chance to put on a performance here. And then we just build you to bigger venues and bigger occasions. It's not like a standard small hall show where it's just detritus on top of detritus and trash on top of trash, with a couple of really good fights at the top of the card. It's it's a fight. It's this is a card that makes sense. So you got guys like James Branch, you got guys like Chris Bork. You know, you got guys who are on their way up. We talked about Charlie versus Cody Davis. Which I find intriguing, and that seems to add a new dynamic to the 175 division, where you can see Frank's trying to line up his soldiers for a few domestic dust-ups. I say fair play to that; it's only good for the fans. So, and I have no idea if this is on BT Sport, and I hope it is. And if it is, and you can't make it to London, just make sure you watch this, and then just start marking down some of these names, like your James Branches, Mickey Burke Jr., who you know comes out the IBox gym, so he's under the tutelage of Al Smith and. Eddie Lamb, who obviously we'll talk about in the context of the Royal Albert Hall card, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. But what I want to do now is switch gears and switch levels a bit and talk about the DAZN card, which happened last night. And the, the, I'll call it the curious case of Devin Haney. So when you look at Devin Haney, you know, you see everything. Can talk, can fight has built up his own following. He's a self-made fighter. And, you know, he's been an internet sensation since he was, what, 16, 17? You know, he he was one of these, I call them like the the YouTube breadboxers, like Tevin Farmer as well, where their highlight reels were shared and they were downloaded multiple times and you've seen them on social media. And, you know, they built up a following based on that, more so than the opponents have actually faced. But if you look at Tevin Farmer, his career is not in limbo but he's finding it hard to get the career-defining fights. Um, As Bob Arum would say, you signed to the wrong company, which might be a valid point. But now you look at Devin Haney and you go, what can they do for Devin Haney at 135 pounds? So he beats Zaul Abdullayev yesterday. Very impressive fight. Um, You never know how good Abdullayev is, but that's not for Devin Haney to concern himself with. It's a fight he had to do to get the interim title, which he's done. Um, he might have broken his cock, his cheekbone or his jaw. Uh, there was definitely some kind of sort of head injury that happened from there, and he looked savage with the you know, his one-two is probably one of the best in the game, and his speed and movement is something to behold. But this is a twenty-year-old guy, and I'm gonna play the clip from his post-fight interview, and uh, it. It left me worried, to say the least.
1: Of a mandatory challenger for Vasiliy Lomachenko's 135-pound title, do you believe, at 20 years old, you're ready for that type of challenge? I think you said his name his name wrong. It's Lomachenko because he doesn't want to fight me. But it's uh, you know uh, I feel like I'm ready for the fight. Uh, you know uh, this is the WBC mandatory, so Lomachenko, uh, come on man, let's get this fight going. A lot of
0: that felt so matchroom. That didn't feel like the Devin Haney that we know. That felt like something Eddie Hearn probably wrote on the back of his hand and just put it in front of Devin Haney to read. And go, make sure you say, no Machenko. Please say no Machenko. So when I go to my IFL interview, I can also say no Machenko with that really smug face that I like to do. But it's a, it's a tactic that's always backfired on Hearn. When you disrespect the champion you're chasing what happens? The fight never happens. That's exactly it. And there's a real risk that Eddie Hearn starts to burn those bridges that Devin Haney needs. Now, Devin Haney's done everything the right way. Connected to the Mayweathers. Um, He's trained at the wildcard. He's trained everywhere. People like him. People respect him. I don't think it's the same about Eddie Hearn. Definitely not in the United States. So now you look at it and you go, Lomachenko needs, I think it's one more belt to have all four. Do you really think he's going to bother defending his WBC against Devin Haney? Do you think he cares? He doesn't care. And this is where Eddie Hearn likes to shoot himself in the foot. Instead of praising Lomachenko, instead of saying this is the fight the fans would love, he goes, what? what, Dev, Dev, what you want to do, Dev? Yeah, you want to call him No Machenko. It's like when I went, Shelly Winkle. Oh, Shelly Winkle. Yeah. The fans are going to love that. Like, Twitter's going to go mad. But being serious for a second, this is why these moves tend to backfire, and they backfire badly because it's like Hearn misjudges what the consequences of his actions are. If Lomachenko vacates, what does that leave in the WBC? That leaves Luke Campbell. I don't think Luke Campbell's a big enough draw in his own country for Devon Haney to go, yeah, this will make me a multi-millionaire. And Devon Haney's not that kind of respected star whereby he can shut down UK boxing for a week in the build-up to the fight. He's not a Golovkin and he's not a Lomachenko. He's not even a Tank Davis. And let's not underestimate the impact Tank Davis made when he came here. And I know a lot of it was driven by Mayweather being here. But a lot of people went to see Javante Davis. Why? To quote you know, people you know, who were there at the time. We knew we were seeing someone who was going to be special. Now, I don't know if Devin Haney's got to that point yet. I really hope he has because I'm a fan of Devin Haney. But... What, what what happens when Lomachenko vacates? Haney fights what Campbell, Javier Fortuna, or Ivan Mendy. Mm. There are no fights for him. So once he gets that belt, it gets harder to unify because at that point, no one's going to care about unification. You know, Devontae Davis is just looking for paydays. You know, he's ranked in the WBC, but will he fight for that belt? Unlikely. You know, Al tends to favor the the IBF in those sort of situations. So. If Lomachenko vacates, I can see Tank Davis fighting a guy like Commie for the belt. It'd be a tough fight, but it'd be a good fight. And Lomachenko will just go back down to a weight he's probably more comfortable at. And that leaves Devin Haney with no dance partner, like Tevin Farmer. So then what what do you think will happen? Hearn will go, Devin, why don't you fight Tevin? And we can call it, we can call it, man, we can call it. Devin versus Tevin. Yeah, we can even get Tevin Campbell involved. <laughs> you like that, don't you, Cougs? Get Get Tevin Campbell down to come and sing if he's not chasing transsexuals. Oh, that's all alleged, though. Can't say too much about that. Sorry for being silly, but it's... You know, when you hear Hearn spinning and talking so much, it's just painful and it's ridiculous. But I, I worry for Devin Haney because I just think Devin Haney has probably jumped on the wrong ship and he's sailing in the wrong direction because he's talented. But Jesus, even if he fought Lomachenko, Loma's all wrong for him. You know, then this is more for the hardcore guys who love Devin Haney. I promise you. All the things Devin Haney likes to do, countering with the right hand, hurting people with the right hand, You don't want to do that with Lomachenko because he's generally not there to be hit with the right hand. And this is the frustration everyone that's fought him has had. He looks like he's available for a right hand, but he will subtly shift his angle and his positioning so that the right hand just whistles past his left ear. And then that leaves you open to his right uppercut, right hook combinations. And I don't think Devin Haney's been in enough tough situations to make the right adjustments under the kind of pressure Lomachenko brings. If you look at the Campbell fight, it was the first time I saw, not necessarily Loma getting old, but Loma re- you know, going, I might not be able to outskill these guys, so I might have to just start beating up on people now. And that's what Devin Haney doesn't want at 20 years old. He doesn't want a 12-round beating. Even if he were to beat Lomachenko, the victory would shorten his career. It's not worth it. So then what do you do with him? Hearn's already oversold him to this point where I just don't believe he can deliver in the short term what he's claiming to be able to deliver. I don't. I see the comparisons with Floyd in that, but Hearn's definitely not Bob Arum, and he's not that powerful. But we'll see where the, we'll see where the game where the game takes Devin Haney. I'd like to see him in meaningful fights. I just think Hearn does his career more harm than good at the moment. I'm not even saying that to criticize Hearn. I'm just saying it in general. I think promoters need to just step back and let the fighters do all the work, you know. Because what, whatever it is Eddie's trying to do in America, it's not working. We still haven't had the big fight. Jesus, like Ryan Garcia is on the same broadcast platform, and he can't guarantee that fight because he hasn't got that kind of power. But a side note on that card: Michael Hunter beating Sergey Kuzmin shouldn't go off the radar. Because they're slowly building Michael Hunter up into this this guy who just might be one of these good little guys. And I said it a couple of years ago. Maybe the future of the heavyweight division is in the small, skillful guys who can crack a bit. You're seeing it with Andy Ruiz. If Ruiz were to beat Joshua again, I think that changes the dynamic because that will put him on the A side as a boxer. And I'd like to see Ruiz fight some of the smaller guys, like your Povetkins, you know, admittedly a drug cheat, but someone of that stature, a Povetkin, a Michael Hunter, you know, these six foot one, six foot two, six foot three guys, you know, I'd like us to move away from the ear of the Giants. And I think guys like Hunter, Andy Ruiz Jr., Oscar Rivas was doing it for a bit, where they were holding it down for the smaller guys, even Derek Chisora to an extent, because he's not that big. He's quite wide, but he's not that tall. And I'd like to see the, the smaller guys, you know, the combination punches, a bit more skill, a bit more defense movement. I'd like to see those guys start to dominate the heavyweights. But you need, an, you need a critical mass of those guys. And I don't know if we've got that just yet. Because if Ruiz does hold on to those belts and he starts fighting the guys like Hunter, why wouldn't the cruiserweights come up? Guys like Gassiev. Guys, like daughter. cost. why wouldn't you come up and go? Well, I can I can mix it with Andy Ruiz. Jesus, like if ever there was a guy that I could mix it with, you know that, that. And that's what we want to see. We want to see the skillful heavyweights. Like the 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 era of the the NBA looking guys hasn't been good for boxing. The era of the muscle man hasn't been good for boxing. It's the skills, you know. I don't need Superman type power. I just need to see those skills. So that's why the last Adam. Kaunaki fight was really, really good because it was just guys throwing combinations at each other and I know Vada should have been involved. But on an important note, it was a good fight for the heavyweight division. So if you can go and get that on YouTube, do that. And just, you know, that's where we need to get back to. The only other thing I wanted to touch on was why hasn't anyone put Amanda Serrano through Varda? You know, there's a lot... there are a lot of red flags on this Matchroom Zone thing that worry me. The, the insistence that Gerald Miller can still fight Joshua, the use of Pervetkin, the the masking up of the of the B sample, the fact that David Haney is sponsored by Snack as is Demetrius Andrade, all kinds of red flags around what's really going on here. Because physiologically, Haney doesn't look like a twenty year old, which is a big red flag to me. Has anyone ever tested Serrano? Seems to be able to move up and down these weights with no drama, like in a way that's almost freakish. But no one tests because it's female boxing and no one cares, I suppose. But these are all red flags that people should be addressing because we need to get the cheats out the sport. You know, if we're going to allow doping, screw it, allow doping. Then let's just not call it cheating, but let's get the cheats out the sport. So, one thing I did want to touch on was. You know, the goings-on at Sky. You know, if we go back two years, all Sky put on were matchroom events. And if you look at 2019, what does Sky put on? A few matchroom events, which are kind of -of middle-of-the-road kind of fights. It's just, you know, not there are no blockbusters there. And then they put on the, the zone syndicated content, which seems to have the bigger fights that Eddie Hearn's involved in. But now we're starting to see the World Boxing Super Series. That's a Saulin-driven event coming through. Now we've got the MTK Golden Contract Tournament coming through as well. And it looks like Sky are opening up their platform and saying, look, we need to compete with BT Sport because, you know, normally these things would be on BT Sport or Box Nation. And Sky are realising they're just not getting the boxing content they used to and their is dwindling. So I'm now looking at that going, is this a cue that by 2021... Sky will be an open platform, and if they are an open platform, which promoters are going to be allowed to play there? Because if I'm a a promoter now, I'm rejigging my proposition, and I'm saying, look, I can rebuild boxing in a way that's entertaining to the fans, which is a neat segue to talk about tournament boxing. You know, I think tournament boxing has been the shot in the arm boxing is actually needed. So I think if you talk to most trainers, if you talk to most people involved in boxing, they love tournaments the Haringey Box Cup, the Celtic Box Cup, if you've ever been to Eindhoven for the Box Cup, you know, there's the Hull Box Cup. On the amateur side, there are loads of tournaments like this where it's literally a weekend. And by the end of that weekend, you know who's won what. It's not a year, it's not 15 months, it's not a season and a bit. It is all done and dusted in a weekend. And why that's really good is, number one, you can't duck anyone. Once you're in, you're at the mercy of the draw, so fans can actually get the fights you wouldn't normally get. In the amateurs. So you can get two guys from London actually boxing each other where normally they wouldn't because the splits in the tournament will keep them separate. And for fans, it's great because it's short, sharp shocks of boxing. Three, three minute rounds, you get emotionally involved, you get excited, you get a result, you can rest again, go and grab a beer, and it all goes again. And it's this it's the perfect ebb and flow for boxing. It's like T twenty. If you're not into the minutiae and the tactical elements and the subtleties of boxing and you want to be entertained by guys going hell for leather, it's fantastic. And I think just like you have short form cricket and long form cricket, short form boxing has one audience, long form boxing has another. And I think they can exist together. But I think the MTK guy's got it spot on. You know, golden contract, all done in an evening. I think the World Boxing Super Series got it horribly, horribly wrong. And I, I had this back and forth on Twitter about, is it relevant anymore? And the answer is actually, I don't think it is. I think the World Boxing Super Series was a good clarion call. And it said to boxing, look, if you can't get the best people fighting each other, you're not going to make money. Sadly, they got the best people fighting each other and struggled to make money. So it's a reminder that fans don't necessarily want to see the best fighting the best, they want to see the biggest stars fighting the biggest stars and there's a massive difference between the two. And this is what boxing fans who call themselves hardcores don't get. The casual fan doesn't give a fuck about what they think, just doesn't. They want big stars, people they can point to, people they follow on Instagram, they want to see that guy fighting another guy they follow on Instagram. That's why KSI versus Logan Paul does bigger numbers than most serious fights in boxing. But no, kudos to MTK for getting the tournament format right. And I know they're going to do it on the amateur side next year as well. And it'll be interesting to see who the professional contract is with. You know, if it's with Matchroom, then you kind of know that MTK are in bed with Matchroom. If it's like, well, we might just give you the contract ourselves, then I'd expect MTK to make more of a presence on Sky. So these are really interesting times, actually, because Hearns clearly pitched this tent you know, on the DAZN turf, and Sky looking over, enviously going, we should have sorted out our contract. But they probably had the same lawyers that drafted that rematch clause for Eddie Hearn anyway. And then you've got everyone looking at the Sky platform going, if only I could get access to that pay-per-view, I could make all kinds of fights. So it, it's, it's going to be an interesting two years, and let's see where it ends up, because The Hearn DAZN experiment will run its course, and then that might go north, it might go south. Frank and BT, I imagine, will be done in 2021. I just don't see BT staying in the sports game beyond 2021. It's not core to their business. It hasn't driven subscriptions in any meaningful way, and it's just a massive drain on resources. So I look to them to dispose of their assets, recoup whatever cash they can, and just leave the sports to people who, who know how to run it. And I wouldn't be surprised if DAZN just buy the BT assets. And that's how they set themselves up in the UK. By just taking over the BT sporting franchise. Maybe I'll talk about a guy we don't really talk about much. But I'm still a big fan of. And it's Kel Brook. So Kel's been in the and wilderness. And no one has ever been able to explain clearly what Kel Brook's done. To deserve to be treated the way he has. Because... He has to be the worst managed boxer I can think of that's come out of this country. As a welterweight, he was easily top three in the world at one point. And he's managed to decline so much that we don't even talk about him. The M.A. fight has never happened, will never happen. And then he's been fed to Golovkin to get smashed. And before he fully recovered, he gets fed Spence to get smashed. What kind of horrible promotion, what kind of horrible career management is that? It's, I think Kel Brook's career is one of these warnings to boxers that if you don't have the right people around you, you can end up being a nobody when you deserve to be somebody's. And not only that, somebody special. But it seems that Kel's back, and that's good. And he's back with Dom Ingle, which, and the people can have their views on Dominic Ingle, but I'm a believer in stay with the guy that got you to a certain level because he knows you better than anyone. But I think Dom speaks better than I do when it comes to the importance of having the right people around you.
1: Um, and when you've trained somebody like Kell Brook for all these years, you know you know them back to front, you know when to push them, when to hold them back, you know, when to say jump, when to say stop. And taking on any fighter, you know, like, he, like John Fuchs did, it's not just about training, it's not about taking them on the pads or letting them do the sparring. You've got to know the person you know, inside out. And I know Kelbrook inside out. So he came back, he's training, he's uh, got a date sometime in December, I think, you know, I've speak to Eddie and we'll take it from there. But at the minute, he's in steady training with Billy, doing his runs, you know, breaking back into it. He's going to be out over a year, which really it shouldn't be that way. You know, he's very inactive. Um, ideally, he had a good fight. Um, I guess Remchenko, the, the, the march before he left me, uh, before he, he, he boxed his last fight. And he, he really should have built from that. He was in a good place, he looked fantastic doing it. Uh, and he just didn't look so good in the fight against Zarafa. But, you know, that's generally the case. You've got people around you advising you who know nothing about boxing, you know. So those mistakes are made and hopefully he's, he's still got something in the tank. He's not had a lot of wear and tear. Obviously, he had the injuries from the Golovkin fight and the Spence fight. But, you know, when you watch him training these days and sparring, you know, he's still in a good place. So, only time we'll tell when he gets down to weight and then we start of giving him a bit of sparring, we'll just see what he's like.
0: And, you know, credit to seconds out for the interview. I, I like it when guys interview trainers about fighters who aren't necessarily on the radar. So, it's just a reminder that Kelbrook's still alive. And I'd like to see Kel back. I'd like to see him have one last run where he literally just goes for all the names. You know, because Hearn can do this. Hearn doesn't need Kel Brook. So Hearn can go, right, I'm just going to put you on any promoter's show that's willing to pay a seven-figure sum and cut me in. I think his fans would be okay with that. If we just saw Brook Pacquiao, Brook uh, Thurman, Brook versus Danny Garcia, Brook versus Terence Crawford, any of those, well, we'd be okay with that. Because we just want to see Kel have a run of fights that match the talent and the potential he had. Even if it's a little bit too late, fine, we can live with that. But I feel for the guy because I've never seen a, a career so poorly managed. And I'd love to read his autobiography to understand who the hell was behind some of these decisions. So we're half an hour into this podcast and people are going to say, but you haven't talked about Tyson Fury. And that's not an accident. I, I get why the Otterweilen fight has to happen. Otterweilen, actually a really good guy. I once lived in Sweden, so that's how I know him. He's really like, really talented, fundamentally sound consistent, but he's not a guy that's tested himself to a level where you can put him in the ring with Tyson Fury. That's not to say he can't acquit himself. Well, we just don't know. And when you don't know, it cannot be a pay-per-view, nor can you call it a big event. I now think, you know, Tyson Fury's now just got to be of that view of let's just take a few risks. And maybe it's that, he can't get access to the fights and he's given that justification before maybe promoters are blocking him off maybe trying to low ball him i don't know but he's got Bob Arum and Bob Arum will know what he's doing with Fury i hope but you know i want to do a podcast on on that some of the business elements in boxing just talk those through and i think there's a lot of energy to the idea that there's an excess of capital floating around in boxing because the amount of return a promoter wants versus the amount of return an investor wants completely different. But we'll touch on that on a different podcast. What I will say, guys, is if you can tune into the to the Frank Warren show from York Hall tonight, make sure you do. I'll be interested in your views and your opinions. I also want to say thank you to everyone that sent a review. And I know some people, you know, are good friends of mine and they sent reviews and they've been more than kind, and I really appreciate that. I've been pulled up on a couple of them as well and you know i'm unafraid of that i think it's right that people should pull me up when i do something they're not happy with because they consume the product so it's their opinion that matters cuz there was one review that i read and i felt it would be it would be remiss of me not to address it i don't want to say who it was but i think the simple quote was you know was it the only issue i find is the whole glorification of people like Tunde Jai unbearable. When you're commending people like Tunde whilst criticising people of far higher stature and recognition, it massively hurts the integrity of the podcast. You're not wrong, actually. But it depends on how you're ranking Tunde Jai. Um I think I did a podcast called In Defense of Tunde. And the reason I did that was to say, Tunde's not a guy that was working in fitness first in 2016, got a pair of pads and started training guys and talking out of his backside. That's not who Tunde Jai is. Tunde Jai is the peer of most of these trainers who are out there now. So you have to respect him as one of a generation. Not not, not one of a not in the sense of one of a kind. I mean, he's in that generation of people, like your Eddie Lambs and so forth. He's in that generation. And I praise those guys. I praise a lot of guys. And I'll criticise Tunde when there's a time to do so. And I've done it before, and I'll do it again. But right now, I don't think he's doing much wrong. He's taken a pretty raw you know, powerhouse in Anthony Arden. He's made him a millionaire. And congratulations for that. But I get where you're... Look, I get where you're coming from in this, and I'll I'll keep it brief. Because Tunde's a media creation to you you see what you see in the media social media bt sport and so forth tunde is a human being to me in the sense that we've spoken and i might see him tonight and we'll have a chat we might not even talk about boxing we'll just talk about life we'll have a laugh and a joke and you know we'll shake hands and keep it moving i know tunde is a good guy which makes it hard to say he's a bad guy when i know he's not a bad guy as trainers we all get it wrong and we all take defeats just remember he was 15 seconds away from being called an absolute genius he was 15 seconds away, maybe three or four punches away from everyone screaming out lines in the camp. And on such fine margins, reputations are made and lost. But I get where you're coming from. Maybe in some situations I'll have a natural bias and I'll have a natural bias towards friends. John Palata, Umar Sadiq, Dan Aziz, uh, James Branch, you know, Denzel Bentley. You know, when and Lardy boxes in two weeks, him as well. Do you see what I mean? So I always have a natural leaning to these guys because they're people I know personally. So they exist in multiple dimensions to me. That doesn't mean that I hate everyone else. It just means that I'm talking about other people with less information than I'm talking about those guys. And it's not a conscious attempt to, to piss on anyone. And it's not a conscious attempt to sully anyone's brand. I'm just trying to do the best I can in the, within the constraints I have. And the constraints I have are Simple. I have to deal with a lot of these guys in person so and this isn't taking shots at other channels but there are other channels out there that you guys all consume that are not accountable to the fighters they talk about so they can say whatever they want and they can be as salacious and as mean-spirited as they want and you can even say as honest as they want because they're not accountable but me i'm accountable If I say something Craig Richards doesn't like, I'm going to see Craig Richards and he's going to confront me. So I have to say the things I'm willing to stand behind under the most intense of scrutiny. And so maybe that's why it comes off a bit like, oh, you're favoring certain people. And no, I apologize for that. And you know what? I'll try and be better next time. And that's the fairest I can say. But like I said, I don't want to just focus on the negatives. I want to thank all the people who were positive and showed love. You know, when I see you out and about, beers are on me. Don't worry. But look, you know, keep liking, keep sharing. Let's grow the podcast. Let's keep the movement going because this is the only way that fair and honest voices get heard in the sport. But guys, have a great day with whatever you choose to do. Make sure you do some training. Make sure you watch some boxing. Let's keep the sport alive. Thank you.